Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday, August 11th episode of Poets and Muses. We chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. You can follow us on our website at poetsandmuses.com or via one of our social media platforms on SoundCloud, Instagram, or Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter either at the bottom of our Poets and Muses website or on the upper right-hand side of our Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. With us today is Wild the Bar. We will be discussing his poem, Country Boy, and my poem, A Quiet Night in Wawashan. Before we do that, however, I'm going to go over all the poetry events taking place in the valley during the week of August 12th. From now until September 5th, if you're a girl between age 10 and 18, you can apply for the Girls Change the World Spoken Word Poetry Contest hosted by Girls Rule Foundation and Arizona Masters of Poetry. You can find out more information and enter the contest at girlsrulefoundation.org forward slash poetry dash contest forward slash. Again, that's girlsrulefoundation.org forward slash poetry dash contest on Monday, August 12th from 6 to 7.45 p.m., Christy White and the Arizona State Poetry Society will be hosting their monthly Mustang Poets Open Reading and Discussion, which will take place at the Mustang Library at 10101 North 90th Street in Scottsdale. From 6.30 to 8.30 p.m., Patty will be hosting her monthly Poetry Roundtable Workshop at Changing Hands Bookstore, which is at 6428 South McClintock Drive in Tempe. On Tuesday, August 13th, from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m., Zaretta Morgan will be leading the last of her four-part built environments, the Craft of Formal Innovation Workshops. This will take place at Piper Writer's House at 450 East Tyler Mall in Tempe. From 6 to 8 p.m., Connect and Heal will be hosting their weekly poetry writing workshop at the Chandler Community Center, which is at 125 East Commonwealth Avenue in Chandler. From 7 to 9 p.m., Arizona Masters of Poetry will be hosting its creative collaborative jam writing workshop and open mic at the Fair Trade Cafe, which is at 1020 North First Avenue in Phoenix. From 8 to 11 p.m., King Kong will be hosting his bi-monthly The Underground Experience at their new location at La Flor de Calabaza, which is at 705 North First Avenue, Suite 110 in Phoenix. Signing up to get on the mic starts at 8 p.m. Wednesday, August 14th, is the last day to sign up for the August 17th Saturday Pocket to Me event. You can do that by emailing info at palabrasbookstore.com. Again, that's info at palabrasbookstore.com. Palabras is P-A-L-A-B-R-A-S.
on Thursday, August 15th from 7 to 9 p.m., Long Known Publishing will be hosting its weekly Phoenix Poetry Slam at The Lost Leave, which is at 914 North 5th Street in Phoenix. Make sure to get there by 6.50 to participate. From 7.30 to 9 p.m., District 4 will be hosting its monthly poetry open mic at Jared's Coffee, Tea, and Gallery, which is at 154 West Main Street in Mesa. Signing up to get on the mic starts at 7 p.m. From 8 to 11 p.m., Quinton Oni will be hosting his weekly open mic at Jobot Coffee and Bar at 333 East Roosevelt Street in Phoenix. On Saturday, August 17th from 9.30 a.m. to 12 p.m., the East Valley Poets will be hosting their monthly short program and open reading at the Tempe Pile Center, which is at 655 East Southern Avenue in Tempe. From 6.30 to 8 p.m., the Phoenix Youth Poet Laureate Program will be hosting its Phoenix Youth Poet Laureate Ceremony at First Church, which is at 1407 North 2nd Street in Phoenix. From 6.30 to 9 p.m., the fourth anniversary of Pocket to Me Open Mic Night will be taking place at Palabras Bilingual Bookstore at 1738 East McDowell Road in Phoenix. In addition, throughout Saturday, August 17th, from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m., Palabras Bookstore will be celebrating its fourth anniversary with local nonprofits as well as various performances, so be sure to check that out. And now let us turn to our poet guest of the week, Wild Bard. Hi, Wild. Thank you for coming on to Poets and Muses. Thank you for having me. I'm such a fan. Thank you so <laughs> what much. You're doing. You brought your poem, Country Boy. Yeah. But before we turn to that, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so my stage name is Wild the Bard, W-Y-L-D-T-H-A-B-A-R-D. Shameless plug, you can find me on Instagram at Wild the Bard, W-Y-L-D-T-H-A-B-A-R-D. It's funny because I forget to do that at all the open mics and stuff. I always forget to plug in my the handle. So people are like, so where can I find you? I'm like, oh shit, I forgot to plug that in. <laughs> No worries. I'll ask you at the end anyway. Oh, word, word, word. No, but it's good to have it both in the beginning and the end. But yeah, a little bit about myself. Pretty much, I just got in Arizona in August. I'm technically at ASU right now, but I just say technically because I feel like I love feeling this pulse of the city. I just love Phoenix and like just the people of Phoenix outside of ASU because sometimes mm-hmm. ASU tries to make it all about them like no disrespect to them but it's like I love just the people and the pulse of the city when I moved here I was living in Richmond Virginia for a little bit uh, with my parents because I was that's where I was born and raised but then prior to that back in 2017 I spent a year out in the the country out in the woods in this town called Farmville and I was actually living in a tent for a few months voluntarily because I'm just a very adventurous free spirit kind of guy and I was just working at these people's crystal mine they had like kyanite and crystals and i was helping them because they were older and disabled veterans and all that so i was just helping them clear some rustic land 102 acres just beautiful forest and i got to live out there and then from living out there i was spending some time hotel hopping (laughs) and it is just i was enjoying this adventure and then after that you know i moved back to richmond and then from richmond i moved out here so just Mm. grateful to be here now (laughs) cool cool do you mind sharing us what you're studying Yes, yeah, so I'm a justice studies major. I do it low-key, like I said. I'm trying to give more shine to just the city and the culture. But yeah, yeah no, 
I'm very grateful to be studying Justice Studies because a lot of times when I talk to other musicians and poets, they're like, oh, I thought you'd be doing something related to music, but it's like Justice Studies to me is very related to what I do. It is. You know? I mean, a lot of musicians now, artists, they speak to the times, mm-hmm. and some of the greatest musical legends, they also speak to the times, like Marvin Gaye, as you said before. Yeah. yeah. We got to. I mean, that's just my thing as an artist. I'm not trying to disrespect anyone, but like a lot of the stuff, the mainstream hip hop stuff, I'm just not a fan because I feel like people, there's like an artistry that's been lost. Like a lot of kids, you know what I'm saying? They just go on on what they know. So they're just like saying literally everything that they've heard before. But that's just not artistry in my opinion. I feel like a real artist goes from the heart and talks about like what they've experienced and what they see. And like you were saying, because we live in such a potent historical moment I can't yeah. help but say some conscious and some woke shit or whatever in my, yeah. myself because that's just what I'm living you know it's yeah yeah I think people definitely relate more to or they last longer because it's come from the heart whereas more pop is something more for escapism which we all need from time to time for sure at the same time the reason why we feel like such a community is that we are all kind of speaking our truth about the times that we live in yeah and that's actually what I really appreciate about your work, by the way. Yeah, thank so to say, you. Uh, like I was saying a little earlier, I just really love it how it's just raw, real, and honest. Because I feel like when we talk about artists, but specifically poets, I feel like you mm-hmm. know poetry is that really ancient art form, mm-hmm. and that's always kind of been the poet's job. You know, I remember I had a teacher of an indigenous woman back in Virginia that was telling me that poets were the warriors. Oh. So I really do feel like even though we're not maybe out there literally with like chills and stuff it's like i feel like our words that's we're fighting some really serious deep shit with our words and how we just wear our hearts on our sleeves you know yeah yeah i think we're all trying to live up to the saying the pen is mightier than the sword yeah because the time i feel like yeah (laughs) yeah we kind of all need that yeah and how did you get into poetry I've always just really loved writing honestly Mm -hmm. people have called me a word witch before and a wordsmith and all these things but i just like playing with words. So in school, I was always really big into English. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a gradual thing. Because really, okay, since I was three, I was really a big thespian. Like, that's kind of me. Right. Like, I've always just been a big theater kid. Mm-hmm. And ever since I was three, I wanted to be, like, in Hollywood and be an actor. Like, that was the big thing. Right. So I think it just kind of evolved because I always loved music. I always loved the rhythm. I always just loved the whole theatrics of things. Mm-hmm. So I think over time, like, when I started getting into hip-hop, I kind of naturally started just, like, getting in to poetry too from like the performance aspect of it yeah yeah i feel like hip-hop definitely lends itself very much to poetry and i remember hearing a long time ago i forget if it was an english teacher very likely an english teacher or literature teacher who basically responded to the criticism about hip-hop as saying well you know ancient poetry was set to music right so hip-hop is pretty much tapping into that very ancient tradition so yeah i'm glad you mentioned that because it's yeah. something i've been thinking about recently mm-hmm. at the last festival show i did out in miami arizona shout out to them it was awesome yeah. um but i introduced my set as rhythm and poetry because it was a mixture of some formal more hip-hop songs but then there was also a lot of just spoken word pieces that had rhythmic backtracks that I made to them. Right. And that's right. kind of the vibe that I'm kind of floating into experimenting with is having like backtracks to spoken word. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when you break it down, like rap, it literally stood for rhythm and poetry. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, it doesn't have to be a particular way. It's very ancient, like you were saying. So it's just really a big part of it is just having fun with it, and cooling with it and seeing how you can vibe with the rhythms and stuff and with the words. Cool. Wait, so rap was, is an acronym? So there's a little controversy around that, but it's like, 
I've heard that. Like some okay. people will say rap is just rap, but then it's like when you do, you could easily perceive it as an acronym. I mean, rhythm and poetry, literally, that is like hip hop. Those are the basic components of it. Right, so right. really, I feel like it's open interpretation and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's how I perceive it in my heart. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I like that. I don't know if you want to read for us now your poem, Country Boy. So you want me to just get into it? Yeah, and then we'll talk about it. Cool. So this is called Country Boy with a B-O-I because I'm weird like that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, here's Country Boy. Barefoot on the earth. Bare hands and trance deep in this dirt. As I dance to the tune of my ancestors' worth. I am that rebirth of something fresh yet. A continuation of love that's coming next. And I bet... To the naked eye, you may not be able to tell. But I done been through hell and back. As a matter of fact, I learned that hell can only get you closer to heaven. So from this day forward, I pray to lead a life for the reverence. As a remember, to thank the Most High for all the blessings that have been abundantly flowing in my direction. I'm just a good old country boy. That been my profession. Spent some time up in the woods to contemplate life's lessons. See, I don't mean no disrespecting, but I done tracked down that real old town rule. And this real country life out here has never been a fucking joke. Why don't you turn off your radio and take a walk around my way? Hard-working people working their tails off day by day, but rarely do they get a taste of sufficient pay. Taking such disrespect from the public, calling our home fly over states. But we've been the ones who work as soon as a light of day hits the horizon until our bodies seem broken, aching, and tired. But yet we still manage to rise because we truly carry that fire. This here, that truth, meant to invite you on a perspective that be higher than what one may wish to judge. So come take a walk down in these hollers. Tell me you can't feel that love that echoes from the tallest trees as the flowers blooms from making love with the bees to that ripping sound of that sacred water down the stream. I'm just a good old country boy. And honestly, all the other junk to me don't mean a goddamn thing. Cool. That's country boy. I love the persona you kind of take on when you get into the poetry. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like you're, you're very comfortable with emphasizing the rhythm of the poem, you know, and you really get into the rhythm. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, definitely. Again, that rhythm and poetry, I just try to feel it even when there's no beat. It's kind of yeah. that natural rhythm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a nice natural rhythm in the order of words that we put together, right? For sure. But having the emphasis also just make you realize, oh, yeah, there is that for people who are not as attuned to it. Mm, For sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tell us how this poem originated. What was the inspiration? Yeah, so kind of like I uh, foreshadowed a little bit before, you know, I spent some time in the woods, literally living in a tent and uh, literally just kind of exploring the land and helping clear this land. And when I was out there, I learned a lot about myself and I feel like about, you know, our greater reality, but also taking a step back, I do need a shout out. So Virginia, that's where I'm from. Mm -hmm. And I spent a lot of time in what they call Southside, Virginia. Have you ever heard of Southside? No, tell us more. Yeah, so I'm giving a shout out. So a lot of times when people, especially out here, when I say I'm from Virginia, people are like, oh, D.C., Alexandria. No disrespect to that, but that's Northern Virginia. And for a lot of like native Virginians, some people take it very personally. It's like pretty much Richmond, the capital, but it's like Central Virginia. Mm-hmm. Richmond on down is considered Virginia. Like that's Virginia culture. Whereas like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of up DC, Alexandria, that's the, the whole other vibe. But I say that because Southside Virginia 
is considered, so where I was at in Farmville, that's considered mm-hmm. Southside Virginia because mm-hmm. it's kind of more in the southern part of the state going towards like the North Carolina line. Right. And then my mom grew up in Sussex County, Virginia, which is like about an hour-ish from the North Carolina line. And I spent like every other weekend there. And, you know, it was oh, literally wow. this country house where she and her nine brothers and sisters grew up. So I just spent a lot of times helping my uncle garden. I still help him garden to this day. Can't wait to go back right. in a little bit. And I just spent a lot of time just on that like ancestral land mm-hmm. in the country. So I feel like I would be doing injustice to this poem if I didn't mention that was definitely a huge part of my influence because I consider that being a part of my upbringing, even though I grew up in the suburbs, like me being in that my grandma's house on the south side of Virginia that really shaped who I am. And then when I had that experience in the woods, it just kind of solidified that. It's like, okay, this is who I am. I'm definitely a country boy. Uh You you mentioned about my delivery and kind of my persona. Mm-hmm. I feel like a big part of that is I feel like I channel my ancestors. Mm-hmm. So that's why I have a little bit of kind of maybe like a West Indian, Jamaican, African, West Coast kind of thing, dialect sometimes mm-hmm. mixed in with a little bit of just like my Southern dialect because I feel like that's where I come from. I just right, honor right, that. Right. Even though when we first met, which was very random, <laughs> <laughs> I never picked up an accent from Mm. So it's really interesting that you explain it and that you talk about your southern accent because I really didn't pick that up at all. That's funny because some people have, right? Like some right. people I'll be here and some people are like, where are you from? Like you're from the south somewhere? And I'm always shocked when I'm like, what? Dude. But so some people do hear, I guess, something and I guess some people don't. <laughs> yeah, I think it's also because people have a perception, almost a stereotype of what southern accent poses sound like and you definitely don't have that draw you know for sure yeah. well with the virginia southern accent too like my mom jokes around and calls me a linguist because i'm just really into how people talk and dialects mm-hmm. the virginia the southern accent in general it kind of evolves there's different dialects to it from each state really and region mm-hmm. so like for instance i was talking about south side virginia the dialect in richmond some of the older folks have what they call old town mm-hmm. virginia accent mm-hmm. which is like they say words like host Soft, they kind of put emphasis on that, but it's subtle. Okay. Okay. And then some people in like Southside Virginia, like Sussex and Prince Edward and all that, like I was talking about, they do have a little more of a country twang, but it's not as heavy as like you keep going down south to like North Carolina and then yeah. you keep going down to South Carolina. There's different flavors of Southern accent. And I guess right. some people that aren't from the South per se, they just don't know that. But for me, just yeah, being yeah. around that, there's like, there's a Georgia twang, there's a South Carolina twang, there's a Central Virginia twang, there's a Southern Virginia twang. It's just pretty interesting. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it absolutely makes rational sense. It's just that when you're not used to hearing it, you can't tell the difference. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like passionate about that, right? Like, did you know that the Southern accent actually came about, because you know the South is like the only really region in the country that has its own distinct accent, if you think about it. Mm. I mean, I guess, you know, New York, y'all got... Oh, but, yeah, yeah. But like, the, it's very distinct for the whole several states of the South. Yeah. And the reason that was, was they said because after, you know, the Civil War and all that, Southerners wanted to claim some type of affiliation of an identity of like mm. where they came from, from the land and everything. So in many ways, I interpret the Southern accent to be an expression of like the land, the people kind of where I come from and where you know Southerners come from and just an expression of that. Right, right. I always figure it has something to do with the heat. It kind of slows you down. <laughs> you kind of take it easy with everything. You kind of have to. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know what, that's because front porch chilling was definitely a big thing. Like when I was living in my old house in Farmville, we would chill and get a little lit on the porch, just enjoy the sunlight. And yeah, definitely 
is really going nowhere, no time soon, just chilling, enjoying each other's right, company. Right, That's kind right. of a big part of Southern culture, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love to experience that more. I was in Georgia, not Atlanta, but outside, and so much more rural. And yeah. you can feel the difference in time. Time kind of slows down. Yeah. Like, also, it's the heat of summer. So. Yeah, yeah, there's that. <laughs> and the humidity down there, too. Oh, yeah. Like, we got that dry heat over here. It's bad enough. But then you, when you put in, like, humidity and that stickiness and mosquitoes, mm-hmm. yeah, you get... Oh, mosquitoes, <laughs> no. I mean, I think I can deal with the humidity. I Actually, my skin might enjoy that better. <laughs> but the mosquitoes, no, no, no. That's yeah. not okay. <laughs> That's the thing. There's not as many of them out here, so I'm grateful for that. But yeah, there's just a lot of more, more maybe little kind of critters out east. Yeah, different kind of critters. Critter, different kind, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But mosquitoes, I, uh, I was in New Jersey for a while. Just mosquitoes. And D.C., distinctly, I think the most aggressive mosquitoes I've come across are in D.C. <laughs> and also in New Jersey. I mean, I had... Like mosquito repellent on granted it's all natural. I probably should have used DEET <laughs> at that point. But they would just come after you, man. I don't even know how they trained themselves. I remember I was trying to buy a ticket, I think it was at Dumbarton Oaks mm-hmm. in this beautiful garden. And as I was buying the ticket at the ticket booth, a mosquito came to my forehead to bite me on the forehead. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was the most aggressive mosquito experience until I went to New Jersey. And I was like, oh, my God. And they come in droves. <laughs> it's funny that there, it's like everything, my perception of the Northeast anyway, everything's just like faster and more aggressive. So it's funny that like the mosquitoes almost like take on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything does. Like, it's that competitive <laughs> pressure maybe. Because I was up in Boston for the first time actually doing a poetry performance at this conference, right? And yeah, it was cool and everything, but it was my first time experiencing Boston. And I was talking to this chick at this like function because it was at MIT where the thing was. Oh, she was like, yeah, you, in MIT on the campus, you may not get a full taste of that good old American fuck you. But if you just walk down the streets, <laughs> you'll get your fuck you. Forget about it. You know, get your good old like Northeast. Fuck out of here. <laughs> well, that was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, it's true because in a lot of college towns, in many ways, Phoenix is a college town. Right? Great, yeah. You feel very insulated when you're just staying on campus and mm. you get a different flavor than if you go out on the streets and experience people yeah. the way that oh not trail. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. All that's around. I like that. Because I feel like this really is just the jungle. It's the concrete jungle. I really do think there's totally true yeah. to that. Yeah, like, yeah. We, I got love for people, but at the same time, we some animals. Like, yeah, <laughs> we're animals. We, we like, definitely are animals. <laughs> yeah, I was walking down the block with my friend the other day, and I was just like, we were just joking. I'm like, oh, and here's the so-and-so in their natural habitat with their girl. You know what I mean? It's just sometimes like looking at the safari, urban safari. I think people should do some kind of show like that. There's that Facebook. I forget. People in New York on Facebook. Oh, yeah. This guy who does that. So it's a little bit, but more like just random biographies of people, which is really cool and interesting. But it would kind of turn the nature show on its head to have it done on the human. You know, you kind of like creep up on them with a binocular and be like, and here we see, you know, in the... 
Phoenician in its natural habitat. <laughs> yeah, maybe you just start another podcast or something like that. Oh, no, no, no. This podcast has <laughs> taken my entire bandwidth. I can't do another. The idea totally tantalizes me. You, yeah. should, you should do it. Please. I don't know. It's just, who knows? It could be part of your justice project. Yeah, it could be. And maybe I'll do like a music video slash spoken word video and like incorporate in that. Maybe I could, I don't know, maybe there's some ways you can kind of merge that you know, some art stuff. Yeah. Well, so going back to your poem, yeah. did you write this right after you came out of that experience or during, what was the timeline? No, so I actually wrote this like literally like last week. And, yeah. yeah, and like what happened was, I mentioned a little bit at the Art of Justice of Mike, shout out Nocturnal the Poet. And yeah. Art of Justice, wonderful. Last Tuesdays of every month. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it actually came to me. Are you familiar with that song, Old Town Road? No, I'm not really. I need to go hear it. Yeah, so this is a big part of the story. This is controversy, but you know what? Fuck it, because these days I feel like people are just afraid to just speak their mind and opinion, mm-hmm. and I'm not. Mm-hmm. And I wish everybody love, peace, unity, and respect, but like, when I have something to say, I'm going to say it. So yeah, with that yeah. being said, shout out to Lil Nas X who did Old Town Road. Like, I think it's cool that he's so young and making such waves. But at the same time, my perception of it was I feel like it's inauthentic. The whole thing, from what I know of the song, started off as like a, a joke. Because like literally some on some app called Yeehaw or something. It was like a Yeehaw challenge or something uh-huh, like that. Uh-huh. And so I really don't think that he really has ridden on a horse down Old Town Road. I really don't think that he's actually been out in the country the big deal part of me is that it's like number one on billboards and everyone's just laughing at it because of people's perception of the country is like you were kind of saying that stereotype of hicks yeah so a lot of people kind of see it as a joke that's kind Mm -hmm. of the big thing of it being a blow-up song it's like oh a joke let's make fun of cowboys and i'm like okay if this guy really is from the farm and if he really has ridden down old town road if he's really done that shit cool power to him Mm -hmm. but something tells me he hasn't and if he hasn't done that i'd kind of low-key take a little bit of offense to that. like, right. And so anyway, because of that, I got into this low-key comment battle on YouTube under the video about oh, it. Oh, cool. Um, because <laughs> literally the caption of the YouTube thing was, oh, is this song trash or not? And me speaking my mind, I was like, oh, this is mad trash. And then nice. some people got a little heated about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Country Boy came from that. From mm-hmm. that, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm a little heated about this. I'm a little fired up, but I've been through too much. I'm not going to sit here and like really get in it with some of these motherfuckers like I may want to. So I'm yeah, just going right. to take this and release it and put it on some poetry. And that's how Country Boy came out, really. Nice, <laughs> it's from nice. that. Channeling your anger positively. Awesome. Yeah. And it just kind of culminated with those experiences that I've had that I mentioned earlier. And it just kind of reached that culmination with that piece, I guess. Cool, cool, cool. That's really nice. And I love how fast it came together. And I have a similar process where something happens and it really drives me to say something. And then they come out in a poem. Yeah. And I feel like it's, it's a much better way to channel anger. I still feel like, yeah, we should definitely speak up. We can speak up in a way that's both truthful and also respectful. And that's how you really are able to change people's minds or challenge people's thinking, right? Sure. So I think this poem really challenges people's thinking. Maybe I need to hear this song about what country life is like, the positives and the negatives. You know, maybe he has a negative experience, but you have a positive one and you have lived this. And you can speak it very authentically. For sure. And I love some of the details of the poem. Tell me what... Some of the things you thought that he got wrong. One of the things that comes to mind, hardworking people working for barely sufficient pay, because one of the things, and first of all, disclaimer, all politics aside, everything's too politicized and polarized, and I think 
that there's forces out there that are really trying to divide people. I think mm-hmm. as human beings, we have more in common than we do differences. Yeah. So with that being said, I really wanted to do just a tribute to the country because all in all, you know, a lot of people get that stereotype. A lot of people think that everyone's like racist and that everyone's just full of hate, really. But in reality, yeah, there's some of that going on. But just like there's some plenty of that in Phoenix, there's plenty of that in these big cities. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I feel like the country get, really gets a bad rep because they're really people that they're really connected with the land. They're hardworking people. They really want to help people out. I literally had my car stuck in a ditch one time when I was coming from my friend's house. Mm-hmm. Like backed up, half of my car was like sticking out in the air. Literally, mm-hmm. wow. a bunch of folks driving down the road just stopped. One of the guys was drunk as hell, it was hilarious, but drunk guy just stopped, led this campaign of these strangers, pulled my car out. Oh, wow. And it's like, I don't really see that happening in mm-hmm. other places. So it's stuff like that. Even And this was just like a few months ago. Like people, I feel like in the country, are very more community oriented and they're really down to literally give someone the shit off their back if they need it. And that's been my experience with the country, and I feel like especially in this day and age, with all this bullshit, everything being polarized and everyone trying to divide everyone, that true essence has been misshrewed and lost. And especially, too, I'm a proud person of color. I'm a person of Chickamauga indigenous descent, mm-hmm. and I'm also proud of West African descent, and also have a little bit British in me mm-hmm. from down the road. Some people call me mulatto, whatever. But like I still, yeah, I've heard some people call me mulatto. I guess maybe this is a southern thing, but down in Farmville, people are like, oh, he's a mulatto, and this was a kid too, and I just thought it was funny. Like who still says that? But anyway. actually, I've heard people call me Oriental really? a lot in Phoenix. Yeah, interesting. Yes, yeah. we both lived in different states, so we mm-hmm. kind of find it's really a different culture and. Mm-hmm. Different words have different meanings, and they stay in certain parts of the country, and some they leave. Like, mulatto is something that I would never think we would still encounter <laughs> in this day and age. Oh, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I just mentioned that, the mulatto thing, though, right? Because I feel like I'm proud, you know, to be a mulatto or whatever you want to call it. You know, mm-hmm, I'm in the Latino mm-hmm. community, I could be considered a mestizo. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm proud of my mixed heritage from pretty much intergenerational colonialism and all that shit, but I'm proud yeah, of but it. we're all mixed, sorry yeah, to yeah, interrupt, yeah. right? We, we are all mixed. If we every one of us did a DNA test, we'll realize just from how many different cultures we kind of culminated from, even sure. for people who look predominantly one way or another. Yeah. You know, the looks can't really tell you the entire history, this beautiful tapestry that made us. Exactly, I love that. You're just making like poetic lines on site. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and I feel like from what I've experienced from your poems, that's kind of a common ground. I feel like that we're very, some people even call it humanist or whatever, but I feel like Mm -hmm. there's very, we, you know, even though we write maybe about different things from different tones, different perspectives, I feel like there's that underlying thing of really wanting to connect to that part that makes us human. Yeah. And especially in this day and age where I was reading articles about humanities just being cut in all these schools, and I think that's horrible. And I really do think yeah. there's the status quo, whatever the powers that be, they want us to dwindle away from poetry and from the arts because they know that it's powerful. This is one of the greatest forms of resistance, is expressing our hearts through our art and poetry. Yeah, I mean, people who might consider themselves pragmatic or practical, I feel like some of them only take on the value that's on the surface mm-hmm. rather than something like poetry and art or even decorations on old buildings, the aesthetics, basically. They do offer something. Not only do they offer craftsmanship to work, mm-hmm. you know, to certain craftsmanship, as I said, that's kind of lost. 
but also they offer these little pleasures in life that we kind of forget that we get on a daily basis just by seeing something beautiful. Mm, yes, for sure. That's exactly yeah. what it is, I feel like. And hearing something beautiful and reading something beautiful that somebody plucked out of their minds and you think, you know, I'm seeing the same thing every day and I never thought of it this way. God, how gorgeous, how you just made me open my eyes to a different perspective. Yeah. And those are things that are not necessarily quantifiable with the measurements that we are using right now. While I love analytics myself and I love statistics, I feel like some of that nuance is not being captured. Some of those little pleasures that we get from just looking at old buildings, like mm. tin coverings on the ceilings of old 19th century buildings, of which there are some still in central Phoenix, like mm. one of the larger bars on the west side downtown mm -hmm. has that mm -hmm. and and it's really these beautiful workmanship and as well as poetry and art they all bring those things that we almost take for granted because we don't stop and think oh i'm getting some pleasure out of this but we are yeah i like that <laughs> and you know too it just makes me think of like being 25 and everything like being in like youth circles there has been a stigma in the past i think it's changing about poetry i've literally been around a lot of people just like oh fuck poetry i don't listen to rap like poetry so blah 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 but i do think that there's a shift going on and that people are being like oh it's kind of how you present it young people are being more open to poetry than yeah. maybe a few years ago it's yeah. my observation you know? yeah i feel like there is definitely resurgence certainly i know across the pond in england there was an article i think in the guardian that talked about the resurgence in that country i cannot imagine that we're not having the same thing because of the political climate on both sides of the pond, really, all over the world. And also, especially for your generation or even the younger generation, there's a lot that's going wrong that might leave the world a little less bountiful for you guys. For sure. And we can't just be ranting on whatever social media all the time. Some people do it in different ways. We are ranting in our own way, but we make it pretty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that we deliver it to the people. You know? yeah, 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 exactly. Because people don't always react to complain in the same way. So sometimes a little bit of honey does make the medicine go down mm. easier. Am I quoting Mary Poppins? I believe I am. I like that. I didn't know it was Mary Poppins, but I dig it. <laughs> I dig it. So I really love how you put that positivity about what you love about country life, about what you about being from the country yeah. into your poem instead of just having a YouTube comment fight. Yeah. <laughs> After this episode comes out, you can be like, hey, here's how I really feel about it. And you can hear some poetry, too. Yeah. You should post it. <laughs> actually. Like the Absolutely. Yeah. You should encourage it because well, his song lyrics is a poem in itself. And then your poem is another way of and uh, you can do artist battle, right? Yeah. With that. And also, too, just kind of going back to what you're asking about inspiration and everything, I feel like I wanted to also give a voice. I don't want to say the voiceless because the voiceless has a voice, too. You know, a lot of times yeah. people are like, oh, give a voice for the voices. But to, an ex to the extent that a lot of humble folks that just wouldn't really ever think of maybe 
saying stuff in that way. So I'm yeah. using my own unique gifts to kind of express a way that I know other people feel. Right, right. And right. but then yeah, it's not their voice, it's my voice, but I'm sure that there are other folks that plenty of folks that can resonate with that that have yeah. been silent for a while. Yeah, exactly. And I like how you decided not to use the term voiceless because none of us are voiceless in any way. It's just that who gets the microphone or who gets the megaphone, who gets the platforms. In fact, that is in one of my poems and that is one of the reasons I started the podcast as well is to give people who might not get the stage, get the megaphones or the microphone a chance to speak their truth. Yeah, that's awesome. I really do, honestly, like, truly appreciate the work that you do. It's really Thank you. awesome. I feel like it's a really great thing that's kind of helped an- anchoring the community around here together. So. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Lastly, I also wanted to know if you have more input about this specific poem, some of the details that come out, and just the fact that you're talking about your own family life having the roots in that rural life, I feel like is breaking two different stereotypes. Mm -hmm. One about country folks in general, and the other one about African-American heritage in country life. For sure. Because I think there's a disconnect between what we know about slavery, which is people being forced to be slave labor on farms, to this current stereotype of African-Americans all in urban jungles. Yeah, and to kind of realize, yeah, there might have been a large northern migration after the Civil War, but there are still a lot of African Americans who are living the farm life, who are living the country life, and who, because we don't think of when we think of rural flyby states, as you mentioned in your poem, we think of mostly white folks. Yeah, and you also shout out got a lot of indigenous folks too that are still out there. So it's funny you say that because that's definitely a big thing that I'm going to try to paraphrase because I could go on and on about that. But the main thing is black farmers, right? When I think of African-American farmers, there has actually been a continued assault in communities throughout the South on limiting black farmers. So I think, yeah, there's actually, there's all these documentaries on YouTube and stuff about it. But it's this thing where, you know, because of some of the, you know, old stigmas of Jim Crow and the racial bullshit, that still does go on. That is the darker side of it. It still goes on. But I, I think it's the minority. I don't think everyone's like that. But there are still some the select few that are in power in certain communities that have that power. Mm -hmm. And because of that, a lot of black farmers and farmers of color have been forced to either sell their property or get off their land and do other stuff. So I think that's part of the reason that maybe black farmers kind of have this like, oh, maybe they're a little hurt because of that. Mm -hmm. And another thing too is, so yeah, even when I'm wearing my cowboy hat or I used to rock a straw hat and stuff, even from like black folks, I get this look. Like, kind of the unspoken, like, oh, who's this guy? Who's this dude chucking the job? And it's like, they're just saying that because their mind is deeply colonized. And no disrespect to that. Mm -hmm. Like, my mind has been colonized, too, and I'm working on decolonizing it. And part of decolonizing the mind is knowing that as a person who's of indigenous Turtle Island descent and also of African descent, we've been wearing hats like that. We've been wearing camouflage for generations and generations, honestly. It's Mm -hmm. just because of this colonial paradigm of whatever we know now that's kind of forced it in our minds that oh black people or people of color shouldn't be wearing cowboy hats camouflage that's a white thing that's complete bullshit and also lack of representation as well in the media right because there is a long history of african-american cowboys one of the previous guests i spoke with uh, tristan marshall his family 
has been Buffalo Soldiers,、mm-hmm. and they were African American cavalry,、mm-hmm. uh, and they did a lot on the frontiers.、Uh, ironically and unfortunately, they had a lot of clashes with Native American、mm-hmm. nations. So there's a lot of intermingling of history. That we don't get to see in the formal education system. That's not taught to us. That until we go try to discover those to tease that history out, we don't really know. And so it's not wide knowledge.、Uh-huh. And another thing too, kind of piggybacking off of what you're saying earlier, a big thing with me when I wear like my cowboy hat and when I wear my Country clothes or whatever, whatever you want to call it. I don't even <laughs> want to call it country clothes. Just what I want some people to perceive as country clothes. You know, I feel like, like I was mentioning earlier, a big part of people from the country across all racial lines—white, black, indigenous—like just all people that I've met in the country were really connected with the land, and that's just a thing that a lot of the dominant society that's so worried on this glamorous image, this facade of the image of the cities. They see the country as like, oh, there's nothing to do there. But we're just so I think in our heads about we have to be doing something, we have to be around all this stimuli all the time. That when you're out in the country, it does force you to kind of connect to your roots, to who、mm-hmm. you are, and I think that's a big part of it. And just like I mentioned, you know, I'm really in sustainable living and like gardening.、Mm-hmm. So like when I wear that hat, it's like paying homage to、uh, several generations of people in the Americas and even people back in Africa and even my indigenous folks that have been over here that have been planting with the earth and that have been. Living harmoniously with Earth, so it's kind of my way of expressing myself and paying homage to that. We need to get back to that. It don't matter what you look like. We need to get back to this Earth. Yeah, yeah, and、mm-hmm. I think that's in keeping with the fact that you read this poem at the climate justice edition of Art of Justice. It's very important, especially now, for us to get back to the Earth to understand better how to live. With the land that we are on, that is sustaining us, that brought us about, really. And so it's good to have that knowledge. We don't all necessarily need to become farmers. We could still each have our niche、yeah. industries that we get into. But better understanding of each other, what we all do, and each other, and the earth that we live on, hopefully, will sustain us as a species. Because、yeah. currently, it's really, really unsustainable. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned just younger generation before, and I just、mm-hmm. wanted to briefly say I really do think a lot of people are pessimistic. A lot of people have negative attitudes toward this, but I really think, in my heart's heart, from what I've been experiencing, the youth like we're on the rise, and there's a lot more of us that I think are really open to this idea of like sustainable living and like actually having, even if it's urban homesteads, just some type of way to provide food for ourselves. Yeah. And you know, so I do feel like there's a shift that's happening. And it could totally very well go on with the artistic movement, with poetry and everything, where things that we once thought of as like taboo or hippie or whatever is like, no, this is the next wave, evolution of our consciousness going in a different route of things that we once saw as like, ew, you know, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And I think previous generations invested a lot of resources into certain technologies to allow us to live more off the grid and to live more. In harmony with the local resources,、sure. you know things like hydroponics, for instance. I I know of people who run、uh, Airbnb who has a hydroponic little farm and they raise fish, and it really allows us to be able to investigate the viability of doing individual farming in urban farmsteads, right? Yeah, like that. What you said before about people thinking country life, there's nothing to do, but ironically, urban folks. 
try as often as they can to go to the country to hike and to do <laughs> you know get away fishing and things like that. Maybe things are a little slower, not necessarily, right? Because farming takes a lot of time and patience, and this is why there's a lot of sayings or practices that are ingrained in our modern life that we don't realize come from farming culture.、Mm. Something like early risers, for instance, and this industriousness,、mm. um, all come from I feel I feel like the farming and、uh, agricultural. Yeah. Because in service industry, we don't really need to have to rise with the sun.、Yeah. But this idea of early bird gets the worm come from the idea that in agricultural life we have to. It,、mm. Otherwise, you're basically forced to work in the heat of the afternoon, and you're not as productive, and or you're not able to get things done before sunset.、Mm. So a, a lot of what we take into our Current life and our future is actually from agricultural life, from the agrarian life that we came from. Yeah, I love your perspective on things. Yeah, <laughs> it makes total sense. I've never thought of it like that, but yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that having the time to think about it, which we don't have as much of anymore, because、mm-hmm. we're especially in American culture, we're so used to just work hard, 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 hard、mm-hmm. until you're drop dead. Into sleep. Yeah. Unfortunately, not even productive. Actually,、mm-hmm. there's been studies that shown that this sort of work culture is not productive, not as productive as other cultures that has more rest, that values more downtime,、yeah. like the you know four day work week. There are studies as if people are actually more productive. It's funny you say that too, because I just want to mention this. Elder was t- talking to me about this. Just in general, when you talk about politicians、mm-hmm. on either wing of the bird, right?、Mm-hmm. They're always being like jobs, jobs, and it's like we think that that's the answer, that that's all we need is the economy and jobs. But at the end of the day, it's not. It doesn't matter how many jobs that we think we have or whatever. We're still, like you're saying, we're still going to be weird. We're still going to be tired. We're still going to be wanting to fill in that void in our hearts、yeah. with something deeper. So working and hard work, there's definitely value. I very much value and love that. Yeah, you think, work hard. Thank you. Yeah, and so do you. Yeah, <laughs> and like so, I, I don't want to disrespect that, but I do think like you're saying, there is that balance that in this American culture we have really. I don't even want to say shied away from. Like that's forcefully like kind of just like oh screw that we would have worked, worked, worked because、yeah. politicians, even the ones that we consider to be on our side or for the people, they're always saying jobs, jobs, jobs. So we think that that's all there is to our. Happiness is is jobs, and also they don't talk about the quality of jobs,、mm, right? Because、yeah. since two thousand eight happened, and also because of all these apps that are coming up, there's been a lot more contract jobs as opposed to full time jobs that offer security, offers this guaranteed vacation time, even though it's only two weeks as a standard, or offer guaranteed healthcare. All of these things have become a Rarefied, which is so sad because these are some of the reasons some people hold on to jobs that they may otherwise hate. Yeah. But without those security, then there's no people are kind of forced to be like, well, actually, I hate this job. I might as well do something I want to do. And in a way, it's it's a nice. Yeah. Yeah. But in many other ways, for many many people all over the world, but Americans especially. Because of this working ourselves to death kind of thing,、yeah. it's not only not sustainable, it's very hurtful 
to our productivity. It doesn't help us sustain ourselves. So it, it's definitely something that we need to look at. And we need to be asking ourselves, shouldn't we try to emphasize more on quality rather than just quantity? Mm, right? For sure. Yeah. And for that, taking time and appreciating beauty, whether it's man-made or natural, and also man-made is natural because we are part of the natural world, yeah. is why I actually wrote my poem. Because oh. I'm actually more of a city gal. always lived in the city. So Phoenix is a bit more rural for me because I come from places like New York oh, <laughs> so, yeah. so but I also do appreciate the time that you get not necessarily in the, in the country but sometimes in the natural world and where you're forced to be in the natural world sometimes so I'm going to read my poem which is called um, Quiet Night in Wawashan we took a boat down an ocean of stars while holding our breath lest it disturb the night. The muses became jealous in the knowledge that they were dispensable until they too became mesmerized by the shimmering seeds ancient gods sold, not knowing the consequences of such sights on the mind, melting our waxen forms as if our bodies became a hindrance to the flight toward those magnetic lights. For these eyes stole those embraces and buried the treasures deep within the mind as in an altar enshrined for frequent future visitations. I love it. It's so beautiful. Thank you. I just love how like intricate it is, but like it's short, but it's like rich. Oh, and, I, and I just love like the words. And it really is just without being cliche, it's really poetic and really like there's a romantic flair to it mm-hmm. that I really appreciate. It's like kind of old school, like classic. It has like a classic vibe uh-huh, to it. Uh-huh. I think that's more of the term, you know, because some yeah. people, uh, old school. But yeah, the classic. <laughs> I love it, and especially with some of the word choices, like blessed. And like you have a little bit almost like Shakespearean kind of vibe. Yeah, I yeah. Love it. Definitely. I tend to use old words or disused words or less used words in a lot of my poetry. Partly because I mentioned this before in, in another podcast that I don't like using the same words over and over so I try to mix it up as much as I can and take from different sources so that I can achieve that yeah and it's funny too you know my name even being wild the bard like w-y-l-d I kind of took a little bit like an old English they kind of would say the eyes with like wise yeah and then like bard that's come from pretty much I know Shakespeare Shakespeare, himself a bard even before that and like Celtic traditions, the bard was this thing, you know, that was pretty prominent. So that made me think of that. That was kind of the inspiration behind my name is taking a little classic old school. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I love the reference. I remember when I met you and when you told me that, I was like, oh, cool. Wonderful. <laughs> I don't think you have people calling themselves bards like that. No, not <laughs> as much, definitely. Yeah. And since I met you, since I heard that name, I've used bard several times. Ooh. Yeah. Like I said, different sources, right? Yeah, yeah. Different encounters shifts your poetry a little bit. For sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So I wrote this poem when I was in the less developed region of the Atlantic coast mm. of Central America. I was definitely romanticized by what I was encountering 
And though for the people who live there, it's more like not really a choice. Mm. It's a very poor region, a lot of indigenous people, a lot of people of color, darker color. Mm-hmm. And there was a school, a trade school there. They didn't really have a store. And this trip that I described was on the river for us to go from this trade school site to the nearest small convenience store. Oh, wow. And it was on a boat. It's after hours when everybody who lived off-site huh. have to take these boat trips to go to their home, either islands or communities huh. on the river. It was my first time seeing the Milky Way with my naked eyes. And I tried so hard to capture it on my phone, but yeah. it just wouldn't show because it was so gorgeous. It's just like in the movies that you see all these stars. They're always there, but you don't get to see because of light pollution from yeah. cities. It was so wild. Mm. It's like if you ever, as a kid, put like a translucent scarf that had gold threads or something over your head. It kind of has that experience to it. Yeah. Oh, my imagination's just taking off as you're saying right? that. Yeah, like even as I was reading it initially, I was like, it was rich. My imagination was just going off and then when you just mention the context a little more it even brings it makes it even a little more special you know yeah yeah and having been raised as a city gal all my life <laughs> i love my conveniences from the city i really do i wish every city was more 24 7 mm-hmm. and not like new york new york is not truly 24 7 like a place like hong kong for instance mm-hmm. is very 24 7 i don't like how crowded hong kong is but I love the 24-7 nature of it Mm. because I feel like 24-7, if it's done right, if it's done deliberately, really allows individuality because we're not all capable of being early risers. Mm. Each of us have our own internal clock, internal schedule. So having a 24-7 culture really allows that. So I love cities for that reason. Mm-hmm. And being forced to subsist on nature in the very limited way that we were mm-hmm. was incredibly eye-opening and made me really appreciate all these things that I thought was out of my reach, you know, mm-hmm. like seeing the Milky Way with my naked eyes. Yeah. So gorgeous. Oh, yeah. yeah. You must have seen that. Yeah, also, I don't think I've seen the actual... Milky Way, but then again, don't take me. I don't really know too much about like what I could have totally seen and like, oh, that's Milky Way. But yeah, I have had several beautiful nights, you know, in the country where I've been just marveled at the stars. Yeah, but yeah, that was definitely a, a perfect poem to share to go along with that. Right. Yeah. Country that's way. Exactly sure. why? Because I don't have too many of those poems. I don't have too many of those experiences. Mm. I mean, I realized a couple of years ago that I'm not really a, a camping kind of gal. I'm more <laughs> like a camper kind of gal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I still want to go into the country, but I need to have one of those, you know, trailers. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I'm just not hardy enough. (laughs) Hey, no worries. But I do want to be one of those people who have like a solar power camper or something and go out to the wide open country and just park in there and maybe lay on the roof at night and just enjoy the blanketing of stars. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's so gorgeous. My God, 
just thinking about it is breathtaking. Yeah. Yeah. You really feel like nature is trying to woo you. Oh, yeah. It's very it's very romantic. I mean, it's just a romantic experience. Whether you do have a lover with you or whether it's just you in nature, it's a romantic experience. It really is. (laughs) See, now you're making me want to, like, leave Phoenix for the night and go find some uh, stars. Hey, you know, <laughs> the desert, semester is over. You're free for a bit. <laughs> you yeah. should. You go often, right, outside of Phoenix? I mean, I do go on hikes a lot, right. whether it be within kind of the Phoenix-Tempe area or whether it's sometimes, you know, like I said, I was in Miami a couple weekends, Miami, Arizona. Mm-hmm. really loved that small-town vibe. I was literally right. performing my set in the back of two big trucks that were connected to each other. And then the steps yeah. of the stage were hay barrels. Oh, wow. Uh, there were bales of hay. And I loved it. It was so authentically Americana country. Loved yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Let me know when you do those again. I would love to come and just have that experience. It would be wonderful. Yeah, well, this so this one, I'll probably be back next year. Shout out Miami Loco Arts Fest. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah, and they even invited me next year, so I'll probably be out next year. Maybe you can totally come along. Yeah, yeah, please, please. I'd love to. And they have a huge, like, poetry community out there, like Poetry Slam. There's, like, really? a formal poetry slam out there, and then they got plenty of opportunities to just perform. So, yeah, I feel like you would love it. Very artsy. Yeah. Where's Miami, Arizona? <laughs> <laughs> it's about, like, a... It's, like, pretty much 60 east. And it's, like, out in the... They call it the high deserts out, like, the mountains. Oh, about wow. an hour out of Phoenix. So, yeah, it was pretty nice drive. Yeah, being out there at night must be super... Amazing because even when I travel, right? When I go to cities, I like to go out during the day and also go out during the night. It's yeah. like you're in two totally different places. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I want to do that with the country or you know just wide open country as yeah. well. It's different animals come out, different people come out. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Freaks come out at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there are also freaks during the day. You know, you're yeah. just. We're, they're just more well represented. I'm telling you, it's all about representation. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh yeah, repping the freaks. I'm, I'm a freak for life. I'll, I'll admit. I'm like I own being like a black sheep and just someone that marches to their own rhythm. I don't even march to my own rhythm. I like create just a new rhythm. And yeah, then I'm like, yeah. I'm gonna either shuffle to that rhythm or I'm just gonna like you know glide to that rhythm. But I create my own rhythm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm similar. There are things I do that are more main culture, but then yeah. there are others that people look at me like, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know you're doing something right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Because like a lot of people just wish they could be more free and they could express themselves fully. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. you know, in the society, we always just get told how we should be living. And it's very, uh, the culture steep in fear. So because of that, we just got a lot of people that are just afraid, I feel like, to just be their authentic selves. Yeah. And that's what I admire about fellow poets such as yourself. I feel like we take that extra step of like, not, not, you know, like that. We're going to, yeah, we're yeah. going to, we're going to be ourselves here. Yeah, you know? we're going to live our individuality. Exactly. Yeah. About that truth. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because just among our species, we share so much in common. It's like 98 something percent that it's very hard to depart from it. And mm-hmm. the departure when there is, is very little actually we we have to realize that because i feel like there's this tension between wanting to live our individual lives and wanting to be part of a community so there's constantly this 
this tension. But if we just realize, especially in this American culture, you mm -hmm. know, all very much like about individuality, mm -hmm. even though ironically at the same time, individuality, true quirkiness is not valued. If we just realize if how much we share in common, even as insane as we think we are, or quirky and individual we think we are, we're always connected to the community by default. Yeah, damn straight. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so fly your freak flag and yeah. you can always come back. You're always here. We're, we're always connected. And speaking of community, I just had to mention, there's definitely, since I've been here, I haven't even been here a full year, but there's a big community here, especially amongst the poets and musicians. I feel like for such a big city, there's a lot of love here and there's oh, a lot yeah. of just genuine support for people doing creative stuff and I have nothing but love for everyone out here that's just doing so many amazing things like it's beautiful yeah yeah there I find especially in the open mics where there's not as much competitiveness or there's no sort of a competitive frame yeah. on, onto it you find a lot of openness a lot of nurturing a lot of acceptance which is really wonderful especially since a lot of the poetries that I've encountered tend to come from individual suffering. Mm. So it's good to have that nurturing aspect, that accepting, sure. you know, people just willing to listen and sit down and just take in what you have to say. Yeah, and I really think, you know, they talk about... We were in 2019, what, this is the 50th anniversary of Woodstock we have coming up and oh, all that? Really? I really, I just say that because, you know, people talk about, you know, I'm definitely a flower child, I'm definitely like a grandchild of the 60s, you could say, but <laughs> I really do think in Phoenix, I'm feeling that summer of love energy, I'm really thinking, I'm calling it into existence, 2019 is going to be a summer of love, so many creative projects, whether it be mixtapes, albums, poetry works, visual artworks, just so much I think that's exploding in the city and it's going to be bubbling up in summer 2019 that I, I that's what i'm just observing yeah i know? feel it too there's a resurgence of this 1970s rebellious individual wanting to live a better life that our elders have not really leaving for us let's say so yeah we want to strike out on our own and do better yeah and i've been to different towns and cities this is my first time being in a big city long term like this but for such a big city, there's just like a lot of love and a lot of genuine talent out there. Mm -hmm. And I've had the honor to personally meet some people and then to hear word of mouth about other people. And it's just, I really do feel like that all of us, ourselves included, we're a part of going into the summer and everything. There's just going to be even a bigger, I feel, I feel like it's reaching its head in like a good way, like explosion of culture. And maybe even to the point where Phoenix is going to be kind of more on the radar of even the broader nation in the world, potentially. It is. I mean, it's yeah. the fifth largest city in America, even right now. And it's growing at a very steady pace, and I think even increasing in the rate of growth. So it's a large, growing city. And part of it is because it's reasonably affordable. And that affordableness, this balance that we have right now, is what's allowing artists to still be here, mm. still being able to survive here and thrive here. Yeah. But it's a very hard balance to keep, and we have to be really conscious about keeping it. Mm, yeah, I hear that. Yeah. And I know you'd have more insight, because I'm sure you've been, you've been around uh, the culture here a little more, but like, 
Yeah, just from what I'm picking up on, too, shout out Papago Park, right? Because there's a park in Tempe mm. that I go to on Thursday nights. And there's just a, we always jam out and stuff. Oh, nice. And there's just a lot of talent there, you know? And I would be doing, I feel like, the culture and justice if I did shout it out. Because I've actually, there's even a couple guys from the park that we kind of started a low-key band. So there's a little, nice. some stuff coming in the summer from us. But then just other people around in the park. Like there was a guy jamming out an electric guitar, these beautiful chicks singing with these beautiful soulful mantras and stuff. There's just so much going on. And I really see this stuff is about to just the wave is going to keep rising and rising as we get into the summer here. I just nice. feel it like it's momentum. Nice. You know? Ooh, that's another place. I got to come with you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And there's a lot of new open mics coming up. Well, currently in existence, they're pretty young. And they offer a lot of opportunities for poets and musicians and comics to speak their truth. So definitely there's a lot of culture burgeoning as well as indigenous as in homegrown Phoenix culture mm. mixing. I like this group. Whatever yeah. is happening, I, I'm in I'm certainly enjoying myself. <laughs> and it's allowed me to have this podcast because of the amount of talent here. So I really appreciate that. In closing, I do want to ask you how people can follow you, where people can go see you. Yeah, so you follow me on Instagram again. It's wildbard, W-Y-L-D-T-H-A-B-A-R-D. And I actually follow back, too, because I'm really, like, I always reach out to people. I'm very personal about that stuff. And then the other thing is I'll probably be at Art of Justice. Okay. I do roll the poetic soul occasionally on Wednesdays. (laughs) But honestly, with me, I just go with the flow to different open mics. I say I'm not going to this open mic that one morning and then later in the afternoon, oh, well, I'm going to go to this open mic. So I really, it's kind of hard to gauge, but I will say I am, like I mentioned earlier, I'm working on new spoken word and new music pieces that are actually going to be recorded. So on my Instagram, there is like a link to my SoundCloud. Right now it's a little dry, but I'm literally this summer having like new music and spoken word pieces recorded. So that's kind of my main focus right now is like getting some solid recordings going. And I actually do have a current spoken word piece out right now. I totally forgot to mention it. It's called Lavender. It's on SoundCloud. The link of it is actually on my Instagram page. And it's two of the guys from Papago Park that I was talking about. Uh, shout out the Anthropoid and Flower Child. They actually helped me produce that. And it's a very abstract spoken word piece. You know, yeah, go check it out. <laughs> yeah, give us your SoundCloud URL. Oh, yeah. So my SoundCloud is Wild the Bard. Pretty much the same thing. W-Y-L-D. Oh, so one word. Also, no, it's actually three words. Yeah. Wild, W-Y-L-D, then T-H-A, the, and then Bard, B-A-R-D. Okay, it's the same, right? I mean, there's no spaces or dots in between. It's the same, just like one chunk. Yeah, it's just one chunk. For both Instagram and SoundCloud. Yeah, the thing is, too, even on Instagram, if you were to type it all in one chunk, it would come up. Okay, cool. Yeah, and, and I'm pretty sure even on SoundCloud, too, because I mean, like, there's not that many people spelling wild with a W-Y and then the yeah, bar. So, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, well, cool, cool. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It really means a lot. And I like I said, I appreciate what you do for like the community and the culture. I feel like Thank we you. talk about the culture, like poets and muses really is like help anchor in that and stuff Aww. and ground in that. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. And that concludes the Sunday, August 11th episode of Poets and Muses. As always, you can follow us on our website at poetsandmuses.com or on our social media platforms via SoundCloud, Instagram, as well as Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also sign up to our weekly newsletter 
either at the bottom of our Poets and Muses website or at the upper right-hand side of our Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. I'm your host, Imogen Arate. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to bringing you another episode next Sunday.